You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. You watch Indianapolis. Yeah. You would have benched Matt Ryan. Like, you have to be almost blind to not see Matt Ryan was playing that. Like, you got to be almost blind. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Stephen Bond, is back east for a wedding this week, Michael. So, our guy Elliot Bowman here at VEASAN stepping in for Stephen Bond is with us on the ones and twos. You can make sure to tweet at us at MLombardiNFL is where you can find Michael. At Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. And, Michael, we got to start with uh, what we last oh, saw, no. man. Man, man my, oh, my, my man. guy, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he, here he comes, comes, Michael. I told yeah, you. He's we, coming. Oh, we got to wait till the end of the season before we fully judge, but. The signs oh, were yeah. looking good in oh. prime time, baby. Oh, they're looking <laughs> tremendous, Femi. I mean, look, I, I, the worldwide leader was telling me the other day how great he's looking. Somebody tweeted out, you know, Bears fans, you should be all excited. Look, look here, here's the reality as I see it, and I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But to me, the National Football League right now has seven teams that are running what I call a six-back offense. Okay, now what does that mean? So the single wing was, when the single wing was invented by Pop Warner, it was an unbalanced look that every back in the backfield, all six players, could carry the football. Now, there was a lot of unbalanced in it, but essentially, there was no quarterback. There was no quarterback. Everybody had a chance to carry the ball. Well, once the game, and he was coaching at the Carlisle School in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, that school for Indians. This is where Jim Thorpe created his legend. Great book, by the way, Path Lit by Lightning by David Marinus. Everybody should read it. It's really a history lesson on football and the evolution of football. But besides that point, so that offense, the single wing, 
morphing out of football because it was no passing game. And eventually when the rules changed and protections changed, that, that game. Now we're back. We have a version of the single wing. The six-player offense is what I'll call it. Mm. So this is where the quarterback, on a, as a defensive coordinator, you've got to account for the quarterback in the run game. It's different than Patrick Mahomes running around making plays. It's different than, you know, Zach Wilson's movement. This is a specific offense with designs that the quarterback is going to impact the game. So, for example, when you go over it, Jalen Hurts is on pace to carry it 218 times. Justin Fields is on pace for 165 carries. Lamar is up to 160. Daniel Jones is at 140. Josh Allen's at 131. There's going to be seven quarterbacks on pace to carry it over 100 times. And so what that makes the defense have to do different things. And it forces the defense to be faster. It forces the defense to be able to handle the width of the field. And it also forces the defense to be on its heels quite a bit. And when you're a team like New England, and I said this to you on Monday on our pod, that it was going to be a good game. And that I thought New England would win, but I didn't think they would cover because New England's not built to stop a six a six-skill position offense by their defense. They're not fast enough on defense. This is why Buffalo has never punted in the last two games against them. They're not fast enough. They're not fast enough at their defensive front. They're not fast enough at linebacker. So a bad quarterback can run around and make plays. And all of a sudden, they lose their place, and he's got wide-open guys to throw the ball to, and he starts to look a little bit better than he really is. This week against Dallas, they're so fast, they're so athletic, that's not going to change. That's going to change, I mean. And so to me, I think it was an outlier performance. I didn't see it as this is something to build on with Justin. I see it as they've tried. They're running the single wing with him. They're trying to engage him. But it's going to cost them. I mean, the guy has 11 fumbles already on the season, Femi. And so he's going to make mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over. And he's not a passer. And so uh, unlike Hurts, unlike, unlike Jackson, unlike Jones, Unlike Mariota or Allen, those guys are more accurate to make this work and run. I don't see it with Fields. So my only pushback on Fields is that I think the mechanics were at a point to where he just has to continue to try to get better at them. And then also, he's made some plays in that game, and the one that really stuck it out in my mind was the play where he avoided the rusher, rolled out to his left, and then hit Cole Komet down the field toward the sideline. Like That was a play and why I really – I'm optimistic about Justin Fields for the long term. Is just that he has the athleticism and the ability to do some things that certain quarterbacks just can't do. Now, I agree with you about the turnovers. The fumbles, he got lucky. He was able to fall on all of them on Monday night there, so it didn't hurt the Bears, but it, in the, it eventually can hurt you when you play a faster defense, so he's got to do a better job of taking care of the football. But I still think his skill set in terms of his arm strength and then what he can do athletically gives him a chance to be a good quarterback and a quarterback that the Bears drafted in the first round, or at least that they hope could be the franchise guy. It, it, it ain't going to work. I'm just telling you. He's not accurate enough. His mechanics are all messed up, and he makes way too many mistakes. And so he can't really run. There's not an offense that you could really put in. And when he goes against a team like New England, who's not fast enough, who really has trouble with this style of offense, people say, well, Belichick can handle a rookie quarterback. Yeah, Bill's tremendous as a defensive coordinator. There's no denying it. Mm-hmm. However, when he gets against the quarterback, I mean, look at what Lamar did against them when Baltimore went in there and played. Right? I mean, this is a problem. Look what Josh Allen does again. Anytime New England plays against these teams, they're going to struggle defensively because they're not fast enough. They're Mike linebacker. Remember, this is really important. When your mic's slow, your defense is slow. 
I don't care what else you have. If your mic can't run, and Bentley's too slow. Bentley's a really good thumper. Bentley would have been great in the 80s. He could have been really good at p- picking up lead blockers, but he doesn't really have the ability to run and then tackle in space. You know, it's one thing to run and get there. you got to be able to make the tackle. I don't disagree with you on Fields' ability to be athletic. I agree completely. And when the play breaks down and he can move around, his skill set can win over. But when he goes against a faster defense, and maybe I'll be proven wrong against Dallas this week, but when he goes against a faster defense, these mechanics are going to break down, and he's going to turn the ball over. I mean, the fact that Washington held them to, what, six points? It yes. just shows you Washington's more equipped. Their D-line's much faster. Their linebackers are faster than New England. Now, New England against the Jets, they won't have that problem. I mean, because Zach Wilson isn't a step offense, isn't a six-position offense, isn't mm-hmm. a, a six-skill set offense. It's a five. He'll make some plays moving around with his feet, but that's off of the pass. That's not off of the design runs. When you have a design run by the quarterback, like Daniel Jones has been doing, it's harder on the defense. You've got to cover that, and he's athletic. Can Daniel Jones stay healthy? I don't know. But when you examine the numbers you know, and you see what he's doing, they're a hard, they would be a hard team for New England to play. I think it's really fascinating going forward, like you mentioned with New England, having two more games against the Buffalo Bills, who right now look like the best team in the league. That would be something to keep in mind when we get to those matchups. But despite the win from the Chicago Bears 33-14 on Monday night, they still proved to be sellers here as we're approaching the trade deadline. And we'll get more into the trade deadline discussion later on in the show. But we saw the trade yesterday, Michael. Chicago Bears sending the star pass rusher, at least quote-unquote star. I don't think he's a star anymore. But Robert Quinn to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fourth-round pick. And I tweeted it out that, hey, in this role, this is probably a good situation here for Quinn joining a really loaded Eagles front here. What did you make of this trade here with the Eagles acquiring Quinn? You know, there's this thing called uh, – there's a, there's a bias that we all get into in betting called availability bias, right? And it's basically what little information we've had we tend to remember – and then that propels us to make a decision. Now, the information not be, may not be relevant, but it propels us to make a decision. Really good bettors, the, the professional bettors, the handicapped, what I've learned is, is they guard against availability bias because they say, we just play numbers, right? Mm-hmm. They play numbers based on their power rankings. They don't care what happened last week. Well, I think what happened last week is the reason for this trade. I think for as good as Philadelphia had played before the bye week, right, they were not able to generate pass rush like they need to do. They didn't have one, one sack against Dallas. They didn't really pressure the quarterback as much as they needed to. They're 12th. It's one of the only areas. So every week, Femi, I go through on my board. I wish I could show it to you. So I, I, I do the breakdowns of all the teams. Yeah. And I, what I consider to be the critical eight areas of winning football games, okay? And, you know, and some of it are points per possession. Some of it how many times, you know, uh, Punts per possession, uh, per play, all those kind of things, and the and and there's two, there's three teams that are significantly better than everybody else. So when you when you're in the top, when you're in the top seven or the the top seven, you get you get a green box. When you're in the bottom seven, when you're twenty fourth or higher, the bottom eight, you get a red box, and when you're between eight and twelve, you get a yellow box. Well, Philadelphia's got thirteen green boxes. They've got three yellow boxes. They got three yellow boxes, mm-hmm. and they don't have any. They don't have any reds. Buffalo has thirteen too. Kansas City has eleven, no reds. So when you go through that, the only yellow that they had was defensive sacks per play, and that's why they re- make get Quinn. 
Now, will Quinn be on an island? Yeah, he'll be on an island. But most of the time, when you say the left, the right end is being double teamed, he's typically being chipped. He's typically being being processed on the way out. There's no real double team on an ed- on an edge. It's a chip. It's a nudge. It's a securitist. It's maybe the tight end, but then somebody gets out in the rat. So all these, well, he was double teamed X amount of times in Buffalo. That's bull. I mean, in, in Chicago. Okay, I get it. But he still ends up being one-on-one with the tackle, and he's got to win that. I think in Philly, he's going to have to prove he can do that against the East, against some of these bad tackles in the East. He should be able to do it. It gives Philly another dimension. The other thing that will help him is the fact, to me, more than he was double-teamed too much, what I think will help him more is the fact they'll play from in front. Yeah. That he can just gear it up. That he doesn't ever really have to worry about defending in a, in a close game like in Chicago. He can gear it up and just go. And I think it also helps, too, just the rotation now with the Eagles having Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. They also have them on the on those edge rushers there. When Quinn comes in, it might just be a situation to where, all right, we need you for 20 to 25 snaps. Go get the quarterback. Don't worry about stopping the run. Just go get the quarterback here on these passing situations. Maybe that yeah. can improve the production there oh, for I Quinn. Think, I think you're dead on on that. But I think, look, let, let's put this in perspective. What was the market for Quinn? Let's, 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 back, let's back think this, okay? Mm-hmm. So I know the Eagle fans are excited, and he's a good player, and I think it obviously gives them another part and credit Howie Roseman for putting this piece together. I think what the Eagles have been able to do, the more I study the league this year, is they've been ahead of the curve in terms of in 17. In 2017, when they were going for it on fourth down, they were ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen those fourth down numbers just go all the way back down, it, the game has changed. I think they're ahead of the curve with this six-position offense that they're running. I really do. Uh, I, I think, you know, now can they keep Hurts healthy? I don't know. But I, I think they're ahead of the curve in that in that area. And when you look at it, and when you look at this, as all the good things they do, who was their competition for it, right? So if you're Ryan Poles, you know that the Eagles' fourth-round pick is going to be, what, <laughs> you know, the 29th, the 30th, the 31st? That's with after compensatory picks in the third. So it's going to be a shitty pick. I mean, you're basically giving away the salary. It's really, I mean, is it worth anything? It really, that fourth? So if somebody if somebody like, I don't know, San Francisco doesn't have it, or somebody like the Giants or somebody that was looking for, or the, you know, that offered the same, they would have easily made the deal with that team. Mm-hmm. So what this tells you is there was nobody offering at least a, a higher fourth than Philly. Yeah, I think, I think that's an accurate assessment there. We'll see what Quinn so can that, do. Yeah. That kind of evaluates the player for you in, in the context of what he was – look, he's got – what does he have? He has uh, seven unassisted tackles. He's got three quarterback hits, and he has one sack in seven games. So it kind of gives you – now, you can make excuses for all that, and certainly he had all that production last year. I'm not disputing the player. I think the player will be better for Philly than he was for Chicago. But my point is those numbers are why this is a low pick. Like – don't don't think they stole this guy that's really worth a first and they were just they were just smarter than everybody and gave a fourth. There was no other competition for him. If there would have been anybody, anybody if Pittsburgh would have said, We'll give you our fourth, that would have been over. Because Pittsburgh's fourth is going to be in the top ten. And for context, Robert Quinn, 32 years old. He's a three time Pro Bowler, but like you mentioned, 
on the wrong side of 30 as a situational guy, maybe he can give the Eagles a little bit of a boost in their pass rush. The other team on Monday Night Football, New England Patriots, Michael, we talked about them on the defensive side of the ball and defending these mobile quarterbacks and these offenses that are running single wing. Offensively, though, Monday night was a little bit of a, you know, awkward situation between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Now, according to reports this week, they will be starting Mac Jones against the New York Jets on Sunday. But is this the last that we've seen of Bailey Zappi here, Michael? Do you think that there's a situation where if Mac struggles again, he might get a quick hook like we saw Monday night? You know, I mean, I don't want to get into Aaron Rodgers and what he said because I think what he said is so accurate that people have a hard time handling criticism and honesty. You know, and, and people say, well, it's not Rodgers' job to say that. Well, if the head coach doesn't hold people accountable and the head coach doesn't, you know, tell people what they need to hear, then somebody needs to do it. And I think Rodgers understands that. And in this case, I don't, they don't have that problem in New England. You know, they're going to be held accountable. And when Mac Jones throws interceptions, he's not going to play anymore. When Mac Jones does dumb things on the field, he's not going to play. Look, the, the key for Mac Jones is Mac Jones is not overly talented to make up for it. You mm -hmm. know, Justin Fields could make a mistake, but his athleticism can make a good play. That ain't Mac Jones. Mac Jones has to win with his mind. He's got to win with his mind and his accuracy. That's what he has. He has to have rhythm, accuracy, and, and intellect. And when he does dumb things on the field, he takes his level of play from, say, a 64 down to a 56. So if he's going to do dumb things, he ain't going to play. So I can't say this is going to be the last of Bailey Zappi because the more he does, like that interception, I know it might have hit the ESPN bowl, but that's a dumb throw. Throw the ball away. Yeah. We saw Kenny Pickett on Monday night make two dumb throws. That's, he's a rookie. Kenny Pickett's a lot like Mac Jones. He can't be dumb. He can't make dumb decisions because he's not skilled enough to overcome it. He's just not skilled. Brett Favre was skilled enough to overcome the dumb decisions he makes. They're trying to put the ball where it didn't belong. You get that. When you're, when you're on that thin line of being good to being great, you can't make a mistake. you got to be perfect. you got to take what the defense gives you. you got to do that. I mean, Brady, for all of the talk, is the GOAT, and he is the GOAT. But Brady understands that in terms of his athleticism and all, he's never going to make a mistake with the ball. If, if his pre-snap read thinks you're doubling the receiver, he won't even go to the receiver. He'll look somewhere else. He'll take profits. And if Mac Jones doesn't do that, Mac Jones isn't going to play. Do you worry about Mac's confidence after what happened on Monday night with the fans chanting for Bailey Zappi and Zappi Hour, all the stuff that's being discussed out there in the New England area? Where would you be at with Mac's confidence here as he's uh, entering this game against the New York Jets, knowing that if he does make those mistakes, Zappi's probably going to come in for him? Well, I mean, you got to toughen up. I mean, I, when I, we want to treat quarterbacks with kick gloves, but at some point he's responsible for winning. Once he wins, the fans will stop chanting. Once he plays better, they'll stop chanting. Once he makes a play, they'll stop. I mean, if he would have put the ball in the end zone on that drive, they would have stopped the chanting. You know, they would have stopped. I mean, the reason Bailey Zappi's got this fan base and this cult following is because he played good. It's the only reason. It isn't because people love the backup quarterback when he doesn't play. They love him even more when he plays. <laughs> so, like, that's your job to play good and stop making excuses. You know, all summer long, all we heard about was, well, there's no design on the offense. All we heard, all that, right? We heard all that. I mean, that's an excuse. There's plays to be made on the tape. Watch it. Make them. You know, don't. your job is to execute the offense, not critique the offense.
Do you think Mac is clearly better than Bailey Zappi, or is there not much difference between the two? No, I do. I think Bailey Zappi's limited to a degree. I think he's he's going to be limited. I think he looks like a, a career really good backup to me, but yeah. maybe he'll get better. I, I don't know if he has enough of a skill set, but he's got one thing he's got. He's got rhythm. He's got timing. He's got instincts. His, when his mama got him from the crib, he was a quarterback. That's a good thing. You know, he has enough movement to get away. But I think over the 17 games, the body's going to wear down where it's like Sam Ellinger starting for Indianapolis. Will he look good? Yeah, he will. Well, over eight games, will he look good? I can't say that because his body's going to wear down. We don't account for the wear and tear on these guys' bodies. This is what concerns you when you go all in on a, seven, on a, skill, on a six skill offense. You know, Hertz mm-hmm. is a big man, right? Yeah. Lamar's bigger than you think he is, right? Josh Allen's a huge man. There's, those three guys have proven they could take some hits. Daniel, Daniel Jones hasn't proven that. Mariota hasn't proven that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard, and, and either is Kyler Murray. You know, now Justin Fields to the same degree. So when you're running this six-skilled offense, you're holding your breath because you, it, you could, it could go away if your guy is not smart with the football in terms of getting down. And I think that's going to be the key. And Bailey Zappi, I don't know if he could never run that. I don't know how he can stay healthy with that body type. Well, the New England area has this whole QB controversy thing. It's going to be Mac Jones on Sunday for the Patriots. Up in Indianapolis, Michael, we don't have a controversy. We have a QB change. Matt Ryan on Monday was benched. Frank Reich telling the media that they're going to go with Sam Ellinger, the second-year quarterback out of Texas. Matt Ryan also has the grade two shoulder sprain, but Reich went out there and said that, hey, this is not just an injury-related thing. We believe that Sam is the best decision for us to go moving forward here in this season. So this is not just this week. This is going the rest of the way, at least as of right now here. Um, What did you make of this decision to sit down Matt Ryan in a situation that none of us thought would be what happened here after we were high on this Colts team in the offseason, and it's really kind of spun off the rails here uh, about halfway through the, the NFL regular season here? Well, we made a couple assumptions about this coach team that was completely wrong, me included, right? Mm-hmm. We assumed the offensive line was going to be good. That was a ridiculous assumption, yep. right? We assumed that they were going to run the football because they did it last year. That ended up not being a ridiculous assumption. That ended up being a wrong assumption, right? We thought that they would bootleg and move Matt Ryan around and take away from his limitations. That, again, was another wrong assumption. So, you know, to me, Matt Ryan, after he threw the first pick six, you know, I would have benched him at that point. Uh, when he threw the pick at the end of the half, I definitely would have benched him at halftime. Like, at some point, I've seen enough. Like, I've seen enough of him turning the ball over. And you can't continue to turn the ball over, especially against a team like Tennessee that really isn't a very strong team, but they don't beat themselves. They just don't beat themselves. I mean, they have probably more reds. I think, what do I have them for? Just as a point of reference, they have one, two, three, four. They have they're seven they have seven categories that determine winning that they're in the bottom eighth. Wow. They only have three <laughs> categories that determine winning that they're in the top. So, excuse me. Yeah, th- no, they have four. They have four. Think about that. I mean, that's that but they find a way to win the game. That's their margin, right? Mm-hmm. And so we keep saying they're a bad team. Yeah, they are a bad team numerically, but they find a way to win because they don't beat themselves. And, t- and, and Indianapolis has beaten themselves. So I, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, I think they had to do it. I think they should have done it probably a week ago. You know, after, this, after Jacksonville, they should have done it. I mean, it's hard to go down there. I don't expect them to increase 
I expect them to be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But to me, their core issue is this offensive line and their lack of toughness in their offensive line. Can they run the football? Can they do those things? I mean, when you break down Indianapolis, they're, they're, I have them strong in, in, in four areas, and most of them, and three of them are on defense. Now, most people saw this news and thought that this was maybe Indianapolis going into the tank mode or something like that to go ahead and try to draft a quarterback next year. Reich says that, quote, we're not waving the white flag with this move to Sam Ellinger here. What did you make of that? And also, ultimately, who's this? do you think this was a collective decision or was yeah. this coming up from above uh, Reich's head? Or what did you make of all the, 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 the nuance of what ended up happening earlier this week? I mean – let, let's put it in perspective. You, you watch Indianapolis. Yeah. You would have benched Matt Ryan. Like, you have to be almost blind to not see Matt Ryan was playing bad. Like, you got to be almost blind. Like, to say that Jim Irsay initiated, initiated this is ridiculous. Then what you're saying is Ballard's stupid, you know, Frank Wright's <laughs> stupid, all these people. They're dumb. They're blind. They can't see shit. Like, that's insulting, right? They know it's the problem. Now, most I'm sure that the coach probably didn't want to have to go face Ryan and say, we're benching you. Mm-hmm. But there's financial issues here, too. It's the same thing that's going to happen in, in Carolina. you got these incentives in guys' contracts. If they play, they're going to earn more money. And when you stop playing them because they play shitty, they don't accept that. You know, they, they don't see them playing shitty. They want their money. They were, they were counting on that incentive to hit. So what they did is basically say, Matt, look, we're not playing you. You're not getting in the game. It, you know, we, well, if you want us to cut you, we'll, we'll cut you. Yada, yada, all that, but there's no chance we're, we're going to not do that. We're going to be professional. But this is a business too. Mm-hmm. We just can't give money away. The worst thing you want to do is what the Giants did: be a bad team and be over the cap. Right? When you're bad, cut your losses. Right? You got to cut your losses, and so they did. I think the same thing is going to happen in Carolina. I mean, Baker Mayfield has a huge incentive portfolio in his contract. Is I mean, they finally got quarterbacking play. After, in week seven, P.J. Walker came in and did great. He threw really accurate throws. He made their offense more electric. Why would they go back to Baker? They watched Baker no. for six games do absolutely nothing. I mean, it's a shame. I was counting on Baker to, to be – I was never a Baker fan, but I thought it was the best move for they could make it the situation. I was wrong. Yeah, and we'll get more into the Ellinger side of this when we break down the games later on on Sunday slate here. But, Michael, let's take our first break. On the other side, we got to get to Thursday Night Football, Ravens, and the Buccaneers. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your 
your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle, code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Michael, Thursday night football on Amazon Prime is a really fun matchup here. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now at our show sponsor, DraftKings. The Bucs two-point favorites with a total of 46, a number of injuries to get to. But first, how do you see this one kind of playing out here? You know, when I go through it, Femi, on my numbers, I thought the Ravens should be favored just based on the numbers that I had. I thought Baltimore would be favored just by a point and a half. So to me, what they're saying is the travel and the movement. But when you break these teams down, I mean, and you really study it, I had this as a – let me get my notes here. You'd think I'd have this damn organized, but sometimes I got too much stuff on it. <laughs> you got a lot, I had this a lot, as lot a of one, tabs. I had, yeah, I have too many tabs. I had this on a <laughs> 1.87 game. And and when I go through the, te- the, the, the situations, I mean, I mean, the way Tampa's playing statistically – you know, they, they've got four really good areas with determined winning. And they've got five bad ones, you know, and they have a couple yellows. Whereas Baltimore, I mean, Baltimore is is playing pretty well. I mean, Baltimore's got, you know, I'm sorry, the, but Tampa's at 6-6. Six and six, Baltimore's at 7-2. and two. I mean, really, where Baltimore's bad is fourth quarter defense, mm-hmm. and they're bad in third deep down defense. And they're really, they're on the cusp of red zone trips and fourth quarter offense. So... They're there. You know, they can move the ball in the fourth quarter. And, and Tampa just, to me, has been really problematic. I, I think the hard part's going to be that can Baltimore come up with an answer to the way Todd Bowles defends this six-skill position? Because he's done it twice last year and did it really well. But why did he do it well? He's got speed at linebacker. He's got, he had Vita Vey and he had Sue inside to take away that inside run game. Because when you play Baltimore or you play Philly or you play this six-position offense, You've got to set the edge outside in, and you've got to hold up on the inside because your linebackers have got to run, and you've got to hold up. Your tackle's got to be tough. When they played, when Jacksonville played Philly, they couldn't hold up inside. And when Dallas played Philly, that's why they traded for Hankins because they wanted mm-hmm. to get more girth inside. So to me, I think that's the problem. And, and Bowles does a usually good job against this. I'd be surprised if Brady didn't move the ball because, you know, as bad as they've been on offense – this year that they should be able to take advantage of some of the areas where Baltimore's not very good. And there's a number of injuries here with this game for the Buccaneers. They'll be missing a lot of guys in their secondary Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting for the corners. Antoine Winfield jr. Is also out in this game. Then Cameron Braid and Russell Gage have been ruled out. Julio Jones and Akeem Hicks are game time decisions, but for Baltimore, and this is probably the biggest injury of the game. One of your blue chip tight ends, Mark Andrews, was DNP all throughout the week. He's listed as questionable, but I think he's trending towards being out. How do you think that affects what the Ravens do offensively? Well, I mean, they got to get he, – he's their key. I mean, he's the guy that they want to throw the ball to. I mean, and, you know, everybody – look, everybody jams him at the line. Last week, Cleveland was beating him up with two people all the time. you mm-hmm. got to try to take him away. Lamar wants to throw the ball inside. This is what I don't understand about the Baltimore Ravens. I really don't get this. Like, they don't understand their quarterback. Their quarterback, they keep wanting him to throw the ball on the outside part of the field. Lamar Jackson wants to go back and watch Louisville tape. Lamar Jackson wants to throw the ball inside the numbers. So he needs a tight end that can catch. He needs a slot receiver that can win inside. And he needs a nickelback. 
They keep getting guys on the outside. Now, when Bateman catches a slant, that's an inside route. So you need some of that. But to me, what's Deshaun Jackson going to do? I mean, he's not going—he's not going to be able to hit, throw him the ball to really, unless you run him on a post over to the middle of the field or run him on an inside dig route. Like that—that's to me that I don't think their skill set matches their design matches their quarterback. I think that's their big issue, and there's so much one back. That I think when you watch what 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 Carolina did with them last year, they got in some two tight ends. They were under center. You know, they ran the outside zone. They ran the inside zone. Carolina ran the ball. This is a problem for Tampa this year. You can run the ball on Tampa. Yeah. I mean, you can run the ball, and then used to be you couldn't do that. And then when you get it in the red zone, you can score on them. Yeah, my guy Vita Vea. He hasn't really been to that elite level that he had been playing at in the past. So we'll see if he can turn things around because he's usually the anchor of that run defense for Tampa. And we saw them get gashed last Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Ultimately, Michael, who wins this game? I think Baltimore's going to win it. I really do. I don't think Tampa's playing well. But, you know, I hate to go against Brady for what? It'll be three losses in a row. That's <laughs> rare. But That's they, rare. they seem like they don't have a lot of pieces. I mean, this is a game Baltimore should win. I mean, Baltimore should win this game. But, you know, Baltimore failures in the fourth quarter. I mean, last week, you know, last week they got, they're in control of that game, but they had the ball 35 minutes against Cleveland. You know, even though Cleveland was able to run the ball, Cleveland didn't run it enough with Chubb. I think to me, this is a game Baltimore should win. This is why I don't like playing or recommending Thursday night games because some freaky things happen. I'd rather play the Monday night game. I get a sense of that better. With the early week, it's hard to gauge based on injury, too. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pass for me. Uh, I did not bet this game. I kind of thought it would be around a pick em, So uh, I think it's going to be a coin flip, but should be entertaining game between two really good quarterbacks in Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. Michael, let's take another break. On the other side, the trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. We'll discuss the movers and the shakers in the NFL. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. All right, the trade deadline is coming up Tuesday, Michael, at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific. That is when teams will be no longer able to make trades this regular season. We've already seen some teams move guys. We talked about Robert Quinn earlier. But let's talk about some potential buyers at the deadline. And I want to talk about two teams, and they'll be playing each other on Sunday Night Football. First, the Green Bay Packers. Do you anticipate Green Bay being a buyer at the deadline, and what might they be shopping for? Well, I mean, they got to shop for some. I mean, they need a, they need somebody to help their offense. I mean, again, I keep saying this. They 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 lose Devontae Adams, and they just think that some young rookie is going to come in, or Sammy Watkins is going to like. You've got to change your offense. You know, you got to feature what you have. Bill Walsh had this is before Post-it notes were available, but you know, <laughs> Bill Walsh on his desk used to have a sign that said, "What three assets do I have that I'm not using?" Matt, LaFle- Matt LaFleur should have him. I mean, Big Daddy will write it up for him. Trust me. <laughs> He'll write it up for him. You know, I mean, uh, so I-, I think to me, whatever you could get skill-wise that could improve the team. You know, the problem is what are, when you're sitting there watching Green Bay, what are their strengths? What are their strengths? You know, I have, of the four critical components, I have them with four strengths, five weaknesses. They're in five categories. 
They're in. They're in. They're twenty fourth in forcing punts per play. Nice. You know, they're they're thirtieth in their third down a defense. They're thirtieth in. They're twenty sixth in points per play offensively. I mean, they're thirty second in 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 forcing incomplete passes. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, like they're you know they're 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 not good. So whatever you could get to add to it, but a lot of this is going to be more than just. There's no magic pill to take if you're Green Bay. This is more about. We got to redesign. We've got to get better at execution, and we got to practice. And we got to cover. I mean, what Rogers said is what Lafour, what Lafuck should say. Guys aren't paying attention. Guys aren't studying. Guys aren't messing. Aren't, aren't being demanded with the details. You know, we live in a world today, Femi, where nobody wants to say anything bad about anybody. Right? Everybody's good, mm-hmm. and you can't. You and once you, as a leader, as a leader, once you lose the ability to confront players. Once you lose the ability to point out the obvious or to demand, you know, you've got to push people. There's no pushing going on in Green Bay. So all this conversation, well, we could add another player. If they don't get pushed and led, how are they going to get better? I don't think they will. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking at wide receiver as a potential option for the Green Bay Packers. There's a number of them who are rumored to be on the trade block. I mean, Elijah Moore for the New York Jets, he asked for a trade there. Then Jerry Judy, there have been rumors around him. DJ Moore for Carolina. I don't think they would move him unless maybe he, Green Bay gave up the right price. I, I let, let's put Carolina in perspective. Yeah, okay. Carolina is going to lose twenty eight million dollars next year already on their off their cap. They redid DJ Moore. They want to sign Brian Burns. Like the, there's a cornerstone pieces. They don't want to take on more cap acceleration. Getting rid of McCaffrey, they've so used to playing with McCaffrey. The mistake they made was redoing McCaffrey's deal this offseason. The mm-hmm. mistake they made was redoing Robbie Anderson's deal. Now they're paying a price for that. But I, I think, to me, they're smart enough there. Their owner understands asset management. He's not going to give away and then take – you know, I heard an interview with Tepper, and Tepper said, hey, look, everybody's on the same club. We all have the same money. So when you start to add a bunch of acceleration to your next year's cap – you're, you're, you're going to kill your team. Why would they do that unless they got some blockbuster? The Broncos, to me, I mean, if you're George Payton, you got to say to yourself, I'm stuck with Wilson. I don't know what I'm going to do as a head coach. But if somebody wants K.J. Hamler, I can't keep him healthy. If somebody wants Bradley Chubb, I've got to decide, am I going to be able to sign Bradley Chubb? That's number one. Do I have enough cap room to sign Bradley Chubb? And do I want to sign Bradley Chubb? And what am I going to get for Bradley Chubb? Would I be better off waiting until the offseason so I knew what I was getting? See now, if you get Bradley Chubb and you and you're a team that trades for him, you know that pick you think is a top ten could end up being the bottom twenty, just because the team starts to play better. I'm not saying yeah. Chubb will make them play better. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and also whoever trades for Bradley Chubb, I mean he's already mentioned that he wants an extension, so I'd imagine that. Well, comes yeah, that, I mean that goes with that him. goes without saying. I mean you you if you trade for Chubb, it's your and then you got to say if I can't extend them. Whatever I give up, I got to be able to recoup back in the compensatory factor. See, like Cleveland's off uh, the word on the street, and I don't know this. I haven't heard this from somebody I trust, but mm-hmm. Cleveland wants a fourth for Kareem Hunt. <laughs> now, why do they want a fourth? Because if they wait and he becomes a compensatory, they might get a third the next year. So by getting a fourth this year is like getting a third next year. You follow me? Yep. So that's what makes sense. And if you're Cleveland, why wouldn't you trade Hunt? Like, you don't even use Chubb enough. I, I totally agree. If somebody wants to give me a fourth rounder for Kareem Hunt, I would do that deal. Uh, the Packers are a team that could be buyers. What about the Buffalo Bills? Because this Buffalo team, they're the best team in the NFL. We all agree on that. 
but almost like Philadelphia trying to bolster their roster for a Super Bowl run, could we see the Bills do the same? And what position do you think that they should be targeting if they were to get into the trade market? Well, I mean, they really have no weaknesses. I mean, they have no real weaknesses. They have no red checks on their on the critical components. I would say they need, if they could find depth in the defensive front, you got to take advantage of that. You know, if you could find a, a, another receiver, take advantage. Of, I mean, I think to me, they're at a luxury point. Mm-hmm. You know, Parcells used to, when he would go into an offseason, he would have must, want, need. You know, and so the need was more of a luxury. We need this, but we really don't need We We don't need it to play. It's a luxury, right? Mm-hmm. We must have this to participate. We want this to get better, you know? And so, and so for me, it would be like whatever the best deal is, I take the player and enhance themselves. Ideally, if they could get another offensive line, but they're hard to find. Now, if they could get an elite player at a position for for a modest price, why not do it? Yeah, I think there's going to be – I don't know if there's going to be an elite player that gets traded during this deadline, but there's always that shocker every single year, I feel like, for the trade deadline. So it wouldn't put it past a team like Buffalo pushing the chips all the way to the center of the table to bolster what is – Far and away, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL. Some of the sellers, you mentioned how Carolina, you don't think they're really much of a seller. Chicago, there's been some rumors about them maybe looking into selling on Roquan Smith. Indianapolis, we saw that they're not going to wave the white white flag, according to Frank Reich. But maybe if something is a sweet deal, they could go ahead and take advantage. But Denver is the one I think is really interesting based on what could happen on Sunday. If the Broncos lose once again, maybe they decide to strip this whole thing down, knowing that they have tied so much money to Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, Denver's got to sit there and say, okay, on that plane ride home from London, where are we? You know, we can't get rid of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. If we change the coach, where are we? You know, where are we next year on the cap? You know, what what are we doing here? You know, like what's we we got to have a we have to have a heart to heart here. You know, so I, I think that's really reflective of where they are on that plane ride coming home. You know, would if they traded KJ Hamler, would it make a difference? Probably not. But the team getting it, would it make a difference for him? No, because he's, does he stay healthy? Does he make enough plays? I mean, Judy's a nice player, but he doesn't make enough plays for him. You know, like I heard Chase Claypool's available, but then I heard he's not. You know, so, I mean, Gusecki's a franchise guy that, you know, that, that's really a pass receiver. But are you going to give up a high asset when you know he's going to be out there and you're paying all this money for him? You know, would he be good for Green Bay? Be great for Green Bay. He'd be great for Green Bay. Green Bay, get him inside, make him a receiver, give somebody that's reliable and experienced player. Mm-hmm. But what are you paying for that? You know, what do you, you know? So the team that's trading him, would you take a fifth from Green Bay for him, or would you take a fourth? Because if you're not going to resign him, you won't get the third until the next year. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Of the guys that we have on this list, Michael, for players rumored to be on the trade block, and that's Kareem Hunt, Jonathan Abrams, Elijah Moore, Cam Akers. Jerry, Judy, Bradley Chubb, DJ Moore, Brian Burns, Brandon Cooks, Chase Claypool, Roquan Smith, William Jackson, Mike Gusecki, then a couple guys in New England, Kendrick Bourne, and Isaiah Wynn. Which one do you think is most likely to be traded at the deadline? I mean, I could see somebody taking William Jackson and wants a press corner. He hadn't played well for Washington, but I could see that. I mean, if somebody wants to overpay for Roquan Smith to the Bears, I, I could see them doing that. I don't, I'm sure the coach doesn't want to do it. Gusecki the same way. They're not gonna, I don't see them trading Burns. Or DJ Moore because of the acceleration, you know Elijah Moore. I, I I'm surprised that of his behavior because he was a really good kid, had a great reputation coming out. I think Cam Akers will be a giveaway. 
somebody will take him at the deadline for very little. I mean, Jonathan Abrams, they've been trying to trade Jonathan Abrams for a while with the Raiders. So I, there has been no takers because Jonathan Abrams, a box safety that has to be really a, 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 a will linebacker at nickel downs. And that's a hard yeah. thing to really pay for. You think Chubb gets moved? Bradley Chubb? I mean, I think if they lose on Sunday, I, I think there's a good chance of it. I mean, at some point, if you're, if you're George Payton and you've missed on the play quarterback and you've missed on the coach, you, you're going to have to collect some more assets. Got to, I mean, what are we going to do? We've been giving everything away. The team we traded with is playing better than we are. They're playing with Geno Smith. It's a nightmare situation in Denver. Uh, and it, it could be a loser leaves town or loser stays over in London situation between the Jaguars and the Denver Broncos. And we'll get into that game and the rest of Sunday's slate when we come back. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, let's get down to Sunday's slate. Starting across the pond in London, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Denver Broncos. Right now, the Jags, two-and-a-half-point favorites at DraftKings, total 39-and-a-half. How do you see this one shaking out over there in Wembley? Well, I mean, look, at some point we got to have this conversation, right? I mean, you know, when Philly first started going for it on fourth down, when Dougie was there, that year they were 68.7%. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time he left, they were down to 42.8%. And so now he's back in Jacksonville, and he's going for it on fourth down at a rapid rate and not converting. Like, at some point, when do you say to yourself, I'm cost- these decisions are costing my team. I'm, at- I'm-, I'm behind the curve. You know, like, the- 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 a good friend of mine has a sports, has an analytical company that recommends Stephen Prather and his, and his uh, partner, Drew Borland. They run an analytical called Coaching by the Numbers. It's a very good site. It's outstanding. But they, they were sending me fourth and medium, okay, over the last three years. That fourth and medium mean three to six. Mm-hmm. NFL conversion rates, 51% in 2020. Went down to 44.3. This year it's at 38.8. So what's that, what that tells us is teams are ready for it, which is what I've been saying. They practice it. They count fourth down as a regular play in their chart sheet. They're prepared for it. Meanwhile, in Jacksonville, this guy's going for it like nobody's preparing for it. 
and it's costing himself teams. So how do you handicap this game is you look at Jackson, you say they've got a lot of good pieces there, right? They've got some, I mean, they're a couple receivers away from being very good. You know, however, they make, they do so many dumb things during the course of the game that you just have a hard time betting on them. And it's the same thing. I mean, Denver is really good defensively. They're horrendous numbers offensively. Offensively, they're so, they're bad, you know, but this is kind of an even game. I mean, I have Denver having six positives, nine negatives. I have Jacksonville having five and four. Kind of an even game. And basically, it's going to come down to what coach makes the worst decision. I don't know if I want to play that. I agree with you that it's an even game. I bet Denver on Sunday night when the line opened at four and a half, that number is no longer available, now sitting at two and a half. So I think Denver's going to keep this one close. It's going to be a field goal game either way. It's going to come down I, to I had, some sort of decision. I had Jacksonville in my. I had Jacksonville as a, as a three point seven five favorite. Well, I think Jacksonville winning by three is probably the likely outcome. But maybe one of these decisions comes back and hurts Doug Peterson like it has over the last few weeks. Here, the Patriots are visiting the Jets out in the Meadowland right now. New England two and a half point favorites. Total sitting at 40 and a half here. The Jets, they probably feel a little disrespected after winning four straight, catching points at home against a division rival. Yeah, but when you break down the Jets' numbers, I mean, offensively particularly, they're oh, not it's good. Horrible. I mean, I mean, the Jets have the Jets are, you know, they're they're kind of a, a middle of the road team. They've been very fortunate with the schedule and they've taken advantage of it and credit to them. They haven't let their quarterback participate, and that's probably a good thing. This is a game that New England's better on defense in it than you would think, right? This is a game where New England's defense matches up better. If Corey Davis doesn't play, that's going to be a problem. You know, I mean, they're going to be able to what, – what Elijah Moore does. But this offensive line for the Jets is, is an issue, right? It, it's really an issue. And I think that this is an even game. And, you know, I, I think ultimately whichever team protects the ball – the best. You can move the ball. I mean, I thought Denver moved the ball in the Jets. Like everybody talks like the Jets are this insurmountable defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're good. You know, they're good. They're seventh in the league in points per play allowed, but they're 21st in sacks per play. So it's not like they, they didn't put a lot of pressure on Ripian last week. You know, I think Quentin Williams is great. You know, they do a great job. They rally to the football. They're playing better defensively. But where is what's going to happen offensively? And I think that's going to be the key component here. Can they move the football? You know, they're 27th in the league in punts per play. I think that's kind of hard. They're 25th in first downs. This is an even game. I would lean towards taking the points. I, I think New England, after getting embarrassed, will play better. I agree. I didn't bet this game, but I think New England wins the game. Just I, I, I can't see Zach Wilson moving the football successfully in this game. So as long as Mac Jones doesn't turn it over, Patriots should win, in my opinion. The other New York team, Michael, the New York Giants, 6-1, and one, traveling to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks right now, three-point favorites, total 44.5. This the only game that we have this week with two teams who are above 500. Imagine that, but it's going to be a fun one in Sunday afternoon in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, look, Seattle's improved. I mean, what's the mark of a really good coach is he gets his team better during the season. You know, and that's what Pete Carroll's been able to do. He gets his team better. The, the last two weeks defensively, they've played well. I mean, they've played well defensively. And when you break this game down, this is, I mean, yeah, there's still lingering effects of what happened offensively, but there's a lot of strengths to Seattle's team so far this year. They've done a much better job. I don't know where DK Metcalf is. I think the injury bug's a concern here. Mm. And then when you look at the Giants, I mean, the Giants are really only bad in one area. 
is offensive line protection per play, right? They're 30th in the league. That's their only red mark they have. They've got seven greens and they've got four yellows. I mean, their numbers in the critical areas that matter, that determine the outcome of the game is outstanding. And you can look at yards given up. You can look at all the other things that are meaningless. But when you boil the game down to the essence, this is where the Giants are really good. I think the injury bug is going to be hard for Seattle. I, I think the Giants, I have this as a 2.375 game. I think this is another two teams evenly matched. I favor Seattle because of the home field. But because of the way Daniel Jones moves and the way they run them, I, I think it's they've got a really good shot. It would not surprise me if they win this and cover the game. I mean, and win this and uh, outright. I'm going back to the well with the Giants. I bet them last week. We're able to get home with that one. I'm going up again with them. Took the three points here in this game. Commanders. You know, at the- you know this game. This game could be interesting too because now a lot of the Seattle numbers are when they weren't playing as well earlier in the season. Yeah. But this is one of the best fourth quarter teams, and it is the best fourth quarter team in football. The Giants going against one of the worst fourth quarter teams in the league. And when you look at defensively where they are in the first half. They're 28th in the first half. They're 25th in the second half. The Giants are 15th defensively in the first half and 7th in the second half. That That's a huge difference there. Could come down to the fourth quarter where the Giants have been able to just steamroll teams with all the adjustments that they make with that coaching staff. Commanders and the Colts. Colts two and a half point favorites. Condoms. Yeah, Big co- Daddy calls con- them the condoms. Yes, con- condoms to, the Colts. They're covered up all the time. <laughs> yeah. Totals 39 and a half. It'll be the first start for Sam Ellinger here, the second year quarterback in the Texas. What are you expecting from him? You know, I mean, when I ran the numbers here, I had this again as a 2.75 game. The line's three. I think Indy will play better at home. I mean, Indy's playing better defensively, there's no doubt. Uh, I, I, I favor Indy in the game. You know me. I'm not taking Washington in anything on any time. <laughs> I don't care if you gave Indy 99 points. I'm not taking Washington. So, you know, I mean, or I'm not taking, you know, or I gave Washington 99. I'm not taking them. I mean, just to me, you know, this is two teams. You know, you might want to think about the under. I mean, the, the, the Colts mm-hmm. are 31st in the league of points per play. Washington's 29th. You know, the, 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 the areas of inefficiency on both teams match up offensively the Niners and the Rams a rematch of last year's NFC title game the Niners one and a half point road favorites at SoFi Stadium total 43 here do you think San Fran bounces back or do you like the Rams coming off the bye I mean I think San Francisco has to bounce. they can't go into the bye losing or playing shitty defense I mean that performance last week was horrendous yeah I mean this team is the best first half defense in football they're the 23rd in the league I mean, they just didn't do it. And what really was discouraging is they are 28th in forcing incompletions. I mean, they've got to get a better job. They're going to have to be play better in the back end. You know, they're good on third down. They're good on sack per plays, all those areas. And they can't turn the ball over. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where you are with Stafford, but this offensive line, it's what, really a weakness. They're 28th in the league in protections, mm-hmm. you know. And the Rams team, for all the talk about how great they are on offense, they're 25th in points per play. The offensive line is getting back their center, Brian Allen, but the two guards, Coleman Shelton and David Edwards, still out. So that interior is a little shaky against a pretty good San Francisco defensive line. And then finally, Michael, Sunday night football. This one is really interesting. Before the season, we thought this could be a potential Super Bowl preview. Well, right now, the Buffalo Bills, 11-point favorites over the Green Bay Packers, total 47.5. It is the first time, and you've heard this all throughout the week, but we're going to say it again. The first time in Aaron Rodgers' career that he is a double-digit underdog. Are you taking the points? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine. I think you got to take the points uh, only because that Rodgers will keep, you know, will, will eventually move the ball. I don't, I, you know, but the way they destroy Tennessee, this Buffalo team has got, like I said, they got 13 green. They're in the top seven and 13 critical components. They're in th- the top, they're top 12 of the other, of three other ones. I mean, the only area that they're outside of it, and they're outside at 16th in fourth quarter, they're 14th in incompletions forced, and they're 14th in defensive first half. That's it. I mean, they're just a really complete team. They're hard to play. They're like the Eagles. They're like Kansas City. Those three teams are complete. There's no weakness. Mm-hmm. There's no red across the board. So I, I lean towards taking it. My number for the game actually is 13.5, 13. 13.25. Oof. You know, I, I mean – I think to me the way the Packers have played the last two weeks, three weeks, I mean they have not. They're twenty third when you add the numbers up the last five weeks, and Buffalo's first. So to me, I I, I would stay away. If I leaned, I leaned towards Green Bay. But it wouldn't surprise me if they won this game twenty eight to ten. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Plus they're rested, they're healthy. You know, I mean, and, and Washington, Green Bay handle this six position offense. I don't know. I want to ask you about a game before we go real quick. Mm-hmm. The game that I have really messed up on my board is Arizona-Minnesota. Yeah. I have – I and, and the reason my board is wrong is, like I said to start the show, because of availability bias that needs to be removed, all my numbers are based on numbers, right? They're based – they're not based on what you did last week. They're not based on what I think or, you know, I think that the pack are not going to be motivated. None of that crap, right? So I have – this is a six-point – game Minnesota should be favored and when I watch this game and and when I look at the numbers like I was surprised how good Minnesota is numerically in so many critical categories Hmm. they don't look it to me when I watch them but the numbers say they are I I really had a lot of difficulty handicapping this game as well I made it around like between four and a half and five and a half and around that range the fact that Arizona is getting bet doesn't surprise me just because of the perception like you mentioned when we watch the Vikings they don't look like that good of a team, and maybe their record's a little inflated. And also, I believe they're 2-4 and four against the spread, so I think betters remember how Minnesota's taking money out of their pockets, so maybe that's why they're looking to fade this team, even though that they're coming off of the bye. Kyler Murray, as an underdog, tends to perform pretty well when the game gets kind of loose, and he can do the beep-beep stuff and all that, but I, I don't have a read on this game. I didn't bet it, but I, just the Vikings, what they've done in the second half of some of these games... I don't know if I can bet on them to win by margin. I just I, I can't get there with Minnesota. Maybe I need to see another week of this team, but I agree with you. Like the numbers say that you probably should bet Minnesota, but I just when I put my thumb on the scale, I can't really do it. Yeah, me too. I don't know if I would. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's a, I, if I my instincts say play Arizona, uh, but when I ran the numbers mm-hmm. this week, it's like wait a minute. The, and, and then when I was surprised at all the areas where Minnesota is very good in. You know, points per play defensively, third down defense, sack per play, you know, red zone defense, how many trips do teams get in there? You know, incomplete, well, incomplete passes is one of the, they forced less incompletes than most teams. That's one of their red areas. Now, how much of that is maybe Minnesota's schedule that we've seen over the last handful yeah, I of think, weeks? That's, I think that's probably true. You know, yeah. I, I think a little bit of that for the Jets too, Femi. Yeah. I mean, oh, like the Jets, 100%. the second half against the third, fourth quarter against Pittsburgh, right? Then, you know, there's some other areas where, you know, they, they beat Miami without a quarterback. They come back, they beat Green Bay, which we know is not playing very well, but a great win, right? It's a great mm-hmm. win. You can't take it from them. And then Denver, I mean, I think if, 
if Russell plays, Denver wins that game. I agree with you. I agree. And hey, the Jets are going to say, you know what? We can only play who's in front of us, and kudos to them for getting those victories. But the underlying statistics can be a little murky when you actually put it into context to their success. But Michael, that does it for us this week All right, buddy. on the episode. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you, you to Visa. You fly into Dallas to watch your team play against your quarterback? I would assume you're <laughs> going to do the coin toss. Is that true? <laughs> They didn't invite. Huh? They didn't invite me. Unfortunately. Damn, Femi. I mean, what kind of PR machine you got going over there? I, 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 I don't know what's going God on. Damn, I, I, I haven't. I haven't been pumping up Justin Fields enough. But they did not invite uh, me to do I mean, the you coin would toss. Think you would do the coin toss in this game. <laughs> All right, guys. With, with that said, though, I did bet Dallas. I think Dallas covers the nine and a half. I, I think because you, you watch because you just you, you're rooting for them, but you know Fields. We'll talk uh, yeah. next week. Yeah, we'll talk next week on Monday. We'll see how that game shakes out there. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vison. Thank you to you, Michael, and our producer for the day, Elliot Bowman, filling in for our buddy Stephen Bond, who hopefully he gets back safely and will rejoin us on Monday. Thank you to all of you who listen. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Michael and I will talk to you guys on Monday. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE.